0: com and pre-register today at com slash registration to get your free Bixi exchange tokens. That's Bixi.com, B-E-A-X-Y.com. One. I'm JW Weatherman,
1: and this is Wrecked.
0: Hello and welcome to Wrecked Podcast. I am Bunchu Betts, all by my lonesome tonight. Chamber is traveling for real-life work. Cynthia still on her hiatus, but I am here on my own, just hustling, giving you guys some good content. So I am here with a very special guest, J.W. Weatherman. J.W., how are you?
1: I'm good. Really good, man. Thanks for having me
0: on. Absolutely thank you for coming on. I have a pressing question that has been bothering me since I came across you. Is J.W. Weatherman at any uh in any way a tip of the cap to J. Walter Weatherman from Arrested Development? <laughs>
1: It is. It is. is. Uh, I'm here to teach you some lessons.
0: Uh, You know, that's why you always leave a (laughs) note. Exactly. So uh, we appreciate you coming on. I had been thinking about that since I heard of you. So um, just,
1: just imagine that scene with the blood, you know, splattering, and instead of him saying "leave a note," that's uh, that's why you always trade with insider information.
0: (laughs) There you go. That's perfect. Um, But just to give some context to everyone listening, um, you know, I had come across JW. Uh, actually on Peter uh, McCormick's podcast What Bitcoin Did um, and I thought some of the things that he had to say uh, were super interesting and actually really... um, enlightened me a little bit so we uh, he um uh, we'll get into it in the in a little bit here but i wanted to kind of start by you know prefacing it with you know some of your views jw are not the views that the majority uh out there might have uh, i'm sure you get that quite a bit
1: what are you talking about i'm completely mainstream man there's there <laughs> I, i've never had an original thought i'm the definition of an npc uh democrat or republican all the way
0: well, like I said, so, you know, uh, I'm just prefacing the audience with, they might hear some things that typically, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't hear on this shows, but I want to talk about a little bit why it was important that I thought, uh, you should come on because, um, you have a course called, uh, 10 hours of Bitcoin. Um, let's just start there. Talk about what 10 hours of Bitcoin is.
1: Yeah. So the goal of the course, um, And it's been kind of an evolution of what I've been working on over the last year, Um, but the goal of the course is to take somebody and bring them up to speed on what Bitcoin is, what cryptocurrencies are um, in 10 hours. It's not realistic to try to get somebody up to speed in an hour. There's just too much material. And uh, over time, we figured 100 hours is just too much to ask of most people. Uh, most people have kids and wives and jobs and uh, an 100 hours of investment to figure out what's going on with cryptocurrencies uh, is probably a little too steep. So we decided, you know at 10 hours is a reasonable chunk of time to invest to get a reasonable uh, orientation and grasp of what's happening. And so then what we've done is we've just curated it. Um, so I did have uh, the Bitcoin threat model and the human threat model. and and a three-hour lecture series um, that's part of that. But we also have uh, kind of an introduction to Bitcoin, uh, the the Ford from Safadina Moose's book and a couple essays from Nick Zabo and then some talks from Elizabeth Stark at Lightning Labs. And, uh, and then there's a couple other talks uh, on there as well. Um, uh, one about simplicity, uh, the programming language that's coming to Bitcoin. Um, and, uh, oh man, I'm forgetting what the other one is. But there's, 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 I think, one or two other talks. But in total, it's about 10 hours of time that you need to invest. And the goal, and I think we've done it pretty well, is you walk away with a really solid foundation for, um, for investing in general, but specifically also investing in cryptocurrencies.
0: So, where did this idea come from? So, I actually uh, I heard John Peter's podcast, and I was telling you before the show, like I uh, drive a ton for work. And so I'm like, all right, I have 10 hours to spare. Uh, You know, I've obviously jumped down the rabbit hole of crypto in the last two years, year and a half, whatever. And so I'm like, all right, let me let me do this. And so I actually went through all 10 hours in the car, uh, very easy to consume, um, mobile friendly. So I hooked it up and it was a lot of, you know, podcasts and talks and things like that. Um, So I found it super helpful, which is why I wanted to have you come on. But um, where did the whole idea come from how did it come to be and where is it going
1: so originally uh i i uh my background is in software security and, and doing software startups, um, but I had never really been on social media. I'm, you know, in my mid 40s. So by the time that that Twitter kicked off and Facebook kicked off, I wasn't uh, I wasn't super excited about it. I was doing other stuff. So I never got around to to messing with social media much until I got interested in Bitcoin. Um, so about a year ago, I did the Bitcoin threat model, and I was kind of expecting to find some flaws, uh, to be honest. But that that was the beginning of me going down the rabbit hole. A threat model is like a systematic security design review um, of a chunk of software, open source project, something like that. Um, So that was sort of my first uh, project that was Bitcoin related and I wanted people to read it. So I put it up on Reddit and I put it up on Twitter and then I realized like, man, everybody's on Twitter. So I started, uh, you know, trying to figure out uh, social media uh, for the first time. So (laughs) that, that was an interesting, uh, just sort of cultural experience in and of itself. But um, at a certain point, I created a, a course, which is where the lecture, lecture series came from. But my main motivation there was because I think in some ways I just hadn't learned how to use lists and block on Twitter appropriately. <laughs> so I was trying to think, like, how do I filter out all these morons? Like, I, there's really interesting people I want to talk to. And then there is just for every one of those, there's 150 complete goofballs that just waste my time. So I thought, all right, I'll create a course that will uh, cover the basics of economics and you know enough of the technology, get everybody oriented. And then people that, pay for the course and I'll charge 300 bucks, uh, people that pay for the course will be people that uh, basically filtered out, right? Like I, I almost could have charged money for anything because, uh, the, the morons, they don't have, you know, 75 cents, uh, to throw at you. So <laughs> if you charge anything, it's a really good filter. Uh, but I did put a lot of time into it and, uh, I think I made it worthwhile and it came with like an, an hour of, uh, sort of one-on-one, you know, consulting time for whatever project you were working on. So we had a lot of people there. We're doing startups ups and picked my brain around that sort of stuff but um we had about 50 people maybe maybe closer to 60 total that went through the course and paid 300 bucks and uh got the lectures and we had uh eric lombroso show up and do a QA and safe adenamos uh show up and do like a, a one hour q a just to kind of recover the same material but from a different voice and it was a lot of fun and i actually did it accomplished what i wanted to i got to know some really great great folks out of that um so that was kind of the first version of it was that that paid version, but it was kind of it, it was a bit of a pain, and it didn't cover everything that I wanted it to cover. Um, and Bitcoin's interesting because it's like feast or famine. So we had like fifty people sign up, and then it was like maybe a couple of months, and at a couple of months. It's not, you know, 600 bucks. It's like, it's more hassle than it's worth to try to, um, just go back and forth, you know, get paid and do all that sort of stuff. So I really wanted to make it free, um, at that point, cause it had served its, its purpose, um, of kind of creating a, a network for myself, uh, in the space, um, but uh, but I also wanted to, to fill in some gaps. So after some kind of trial and error, we realized, all right, we'll we'll make it ten hours. We'll use the the lectures that we had from the course, um, and then we'll you know we'll put these other great talks in there and have a really good holistic sort of uh, free experience. And I I mean I, my goal my hope is that if you are not completely comfortable in Bitcoin, like you don't consider yourself an expert, um, or or you're completely new that this is the place to go because, um, there's, I'm actually not responsible for the content at this point. Um, uh, Colin or H uh, A Clown on Twitter and Rollo McFlugel who uh, who has a, a libertarian podcast. Those guys went through the course, um, and so they're they're responsible for the site moving forward. So at some point, I'm sure somebody's going to create stuff better than what I have created, and you know they'll be brutal about it. They'll take my stuff down and throw the better stuff up. So it's a it's a highly curated spot uh, is the intention of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think uh, just to Reiterate what you just said there. I mean, I think it's it's hard to be an expert in Bitcoin. It is hard to get started in Bitcoin, and I think this uh, this ten hours of education are very helpful to anybody. I mean, you can be anyone from beginner to intermediate to expert, and there's definitely something to learn in there, which is what I found awesome. And obviously I, by no means am an expert, so I found it extremely helpful. So uh, pretty cool free education there. Uh, I recommend everybody check it out. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it, and I'd, I'd love for you to take a, um, you know, a second on this too. And I, I'm going to see if I could start somewhere else here. So you have, you would call yourself a Bitcoin maximalist, would you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually wrote the uh, Bitcoin maximalist manifesto. So if you do a Google search for that, um, some other people had some input, but I, I did the first draft. Uh, so I'll still take credit for it.
0: That's awesome. So the, you know, the reason I bring that up is because you have some very uh, staunch stances on, other cryptocurrencies and uh you know whether or not they're scams or scammers run by scammers everything like that um but you have a I, what i thought was a pretty valid reason for you know having those stances when you listen to your thoughts on economics and speculation and all of those things and kind of what is money and where that uh you know that whole thing comes from so can you talk a little bit about that because i think that's a super important thing you know for people to understand about anything before they even start looking at crypto
1: yeah totally so i will preface this with saying that 30 to 70 percent of the people listening to this are going to think i'm insane Um, yes (laughs) and uh the reason for that is that it's a complicated topic so if i was to try to explain uh i don't know uh brain surgery uh and I only had 15 minutes to do it, and I did my best. I would probably sound a little bit insane if you didn't have any idea how the brain worked. So, if you've never taken an economics course, if you've never read any Austrian economics, if you haven't gone through, uh, you know, Mises or Rothbard or any of these guys, um, there are so many blue or red pills that um, that are all tied together in economics and in the topics that we're about to sort of crack into um, that. Uh, that it's gonna be like talking to a 9-11 truther for the first time, right? <laughs> And I don't get the the, the, uh, the luxury of not sounding like a crazy person because the, the way to do that right um, is to start at the very basics, and that's what what we do on the 10hoursofbitcoin.com site, right, like if you go through my stuff there, I imagine that after you listen to my talk with um, with Peter on what Bitcoin did, it was like interesting, but you thought I might be insane. But then, after going through the systematic, you know, case by case, layer by layer building of the economic argument, you might go, "Oh well, I disagree with him on this point, but he's definitely not insane, right? It's a very well laid out, systematic argument." So, Correct. So, anybody that's listening now, they're going to have that same experience. Uh, so, th- there's the. I, I tried to warn him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so the the um, the basic issue with. Understanding what's going on with Bitcoin and these other cryptocurrencies. There's a few different uh, Sort of disciplines or experiences that overlap together um, One is economics and just understanding what money is Another is sort of understanding what a startup is or a software project and how that works um, and then the other is um, other than like what money is and and what a software startup is, is open source software. It's a weird open source software is weird and it's hard to get your head around if you haven't actually experienced it. So those three things overlap. And I think that has created uh, enough confusion for scammers and con artists to just run wild in this space that combined with a lot of money uh, because there is some really amazing stuff happening. Um, So I'll, I'll talk about the money first. Uh, So and, and okay, so the reason that you have to understand what money is is that you have to understand what Bitcoin is about. The purpose of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is to create a new money, um, and. Uh, just like if we were trying to, you know, if we're, we're Tesla and we're trying to create a new car, a better car, you really have to understand what a car is, why why it functions the way that it functions, like what problems that it solves. If you've never seen a car before, it's going to be really hard for you to understand that Tesla's a legitimate company and some other, you know, goofy little startup that's making a bunch of false claims is not, right? You, you, you kind of have to be a car expert to be able to tell the difference. And in cryptocurrency, you have to be a money expert. At least, you have to really, at a at a pretty technical level, understand what money is, um, in order to understand how we're going to go about creating a better money or why Bitcoin is a better money. Um, at a high level, Bitcoin is a better money because it's it's harder to steal. So, if uh, if I was going to compare that to U.S. dollars. Um, US dollars are already digital so it's not just about programmable money Pr- that's you know digital programmable or synonyms right it's very easy to make dollars programmable um, but they're really easy to steal in that somebody can hack your bank account and take the money out but also the bank can just take the money out or the fbi can just freeze your account and take the money right you get charged with a crime and you're like that's okay i have a couple hundred thousand dollars saved up for my legal defense boom it's frozen you don't have access to it and then you start realizing oh you know what my money wasn't actually secure when it was in that bank account Um, and then there's another huge problem with our current monetary system and that is that not only can they steal the money just by freezing or whatever if you're politically unpopular um, but there's there's also uh, the tool that they have which is the printing press on our money right so the Federal Reserve decides you know they they say they target interest rates at the end of the day what it means is that they in, they can increase the amount of dollars in production right or, or dollars in in existence and as they do that things get more expensive so when I was a kid a candy bar was like 45 cents I think last time I bought a candy bar It was a buck 25 and that's because (laughs) the number of dollars uh it's not because they haven't gotten better factories right like it's cheaper to make a candy bar now than it was before the farming is cheaper tons of stuff is automated the factories that package them are better Everything about that should make that candy bar $0.25 cents now, right? There's, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s when I was buying candy bars at five years old. There's been 40 freaking years of economic growth and development and human creativity and effort and tooling that has gone into making pretty much the same candy bar I was buying when I was a kid. So it should be a lot cheaper. That's what technology usually brings about. But instead, it's you know more expensive, and that's because the number of dollars that exists have gone up. Now, there's all kinds of like court historian uh, BS stories that that you get indoctrinated through, um, you know, high school and especially in college to make you think that this is a good idea. That's actually for your benefit. That these people steal your money through inflation, um, mm-hmm. but. That that's that's a problem, and so the way that Bitcoin has solved this is they've, uh, or the the guys that created Bitcoin, the way that they solve this is they they came up with a way to create money that can't be inflated by a government that's government-hard, government-resistant money. Um, So that's the whole purpose of it. Um, And by making it government-hard and government-resistant, they can put a total cap on it. We can have 21 million of these things forever. And we can also make the system, um, and we also have to have the system, be such that nobody can take your account balance unless they have your password essentially right they have your 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 private keys so that's the that's the context and that's the purpose of bitcoin um so that's sort of like, okay, we're doing a startup to create money, right, perspective. Then the money itself perspective is, well, what what the heck is money? And I'll just say briefly, it's a medium of exchange, it's a store of value, and it's a unit of account. It's all three of those things. Those are not separate things like the scammers would have you believe. Um, those th- three things describe what is money. And the third one, the unit of account, is... Um, means that when we talk about value like i'll do this for you for x number of dollars per hour or my car is worth that or my my retirement fund has this in it we're measuring value and the thing that we measure value in right now if you live in the united states is dollars Um, it's weird that it's in different we have different units of account in different countries that's not that's not normal that's not a normal market phenomenon but setting that aside, if you're in the United States, you measure value in dollars. We use dollars as our unit of account. It's the third thing that we use to measure how much your car is worth and how much my retirement fund is worth. Um, And that, because of the way that it works, just like a meter has to be one thing. We can't have a meter that's, you know, some meters are smaller, some meters are bigger, Um, you know, some of them are wavy and some of them are straight. No, a meter has to be one thing. If we're going to measure value, um, if it's going to function as a unit of account, it has to be one thing. Um, so that takes, again, a lot more time to build up and really help people understand in the course. But, um, but if you put those two things together, right, money has to be one thing, and we're trying to create money in Bitcoin, you start realizing, okay, um, this is a winner take all thing, right? If it has to be one thing, only one can live. You know, it's the Highlander, every, everybody else is going to die. Um, and then if you have something competing with Bitcoin, it has to be government hard, right? Because you understand the problem is creating something, creating a money that can't be influenced by the government. It's the only purpose of this stuff. Um, and it has to also credibly be able to beat Bitcoin. If it has no chance of actually beating Bitcoin and it's not government hard, then you start going, okay, well, this is like that you know, car company that says they're gonna beat Tesla, but they're making all of these claims that just don't make any sense, right? It, it goes from a legitimate startup that may have a chance to, oh, wait a minute, this is probably just flat out fraud. Um, And we haven't even gotten to any false claims yet, but just knowing that it has to beat Bitcoin and it has to be government hard to even be on the playing field of doing that helps you eliminate probably 85% of all the frauds that are out there.
0: That takes out pretty much everything.
1: (laughs) It does. It does. I mean, Uh, so, I mean, we could go, we could look at uh, what are, what's, what are the other ones that are out there, right? So you have Litecoin, um, Litecoin, their whole sales pitch has always been, we're going to be silver to Bitcoin's gold. Well, wait a minute, a unit of account, right, has to be one thing. So... They're kind of taking this quirk of the, the coexistence of silver and gold that caused a lot of problems uh, in history, incidentally. But they're taking the fact that gold had certain limitations and so silver was used. Um, so we, we, we kind of didn't have the unit of account in, uh, in a pure way for a while there. And they're using that as justification. But since these things are digital it doesn't have the same limitations, right? We could subdivide Bitcoin down to sub-Satoshis. So we don't need to have, uh, which is the reason that we had silver, right? We had silver because if you tried to buy a soda with gold, it would be a tiny, tiny little flake. Um, That was a problem. Um, The better solution to that actually was banking. It wasn't to use silver, it was to just put our gold in banks and then use bank notes um, because using silver and gold at the same time caused all kinds of trouble. but uh but they they'll they'll use that to say okay well you know Litecoin has value or it's transaction speed is faster or whatever um and if you dig into any one of those claims uh either on the economic side or the technical side it's just you know it's just nonsense right off the bat um and that you know we could go through the list right we could just bring up coin market cap and just run down all of these top 20 and they're all just laughable
0: so i've heard you you know i've heard you talk about Litecoin, Ethereum, Monero, even as far as far as, you know, these uh, cryptos that are trying to be something that you believe that they can't be by definition. Is that correct?
1: Well, I think it's even worse because I think they know that they can't be it by definition. Um, So like Monero is one that is still not considered by everybody to be a fraud Litecoin at this point. Most people are like, Oh yeah, that's a fraud. But Monero is still sort of in this golden, you know, period. Um, for whatever reason i guess i guess it's because the scaling uh the scaling debate is totally dead and the privacy debate is still going on so there's a little bit more uh excuse for those guys to seem legitimate but um but what I would say about uh, Monero, for example, is if you just listen to what the promoters of Monero say and the way that they sell Monero, you can know that they don't even believe that they have a chance at beating Bitcoin. Right? They'll never come out and say, Monero is more secure than Bitcoin. Monero is a better money than Bitcoin. Um, in fact, they're kind of greasy at this point, and they'll say, oh, you shouldn't even invest in Monero but you know they'll still talk about its virtues right but they'll never want to you know this is a winner take all situation right and they'll never want to really compare to bitcoin they don't mind comparing to stuff like ethereum and litecoin um, but you'll notice ethereum and litecoin they do the same game right they they will never acknowledge that in order for money to function as money, it needs to be one thing. Um, And they'll, you know, support any court historian. Like if you want to make money as an economics person in sort of, You know, broader uh, academia. What you want to do is you want to get close to the Federal Reserve and you want to tell all kinds of stories about how it's for everybody's benefit that the Federal Reserve prints a bunch of money and gives it to their friends. Like, that's the only business model that exists, right, uh, in Mm. economics right now. So, if you want to make money as sort of an intellectual in the cryptocurrency space, what you really need to do is you need to get close to one of these cryptocurrencies um, or maybe many of these cryptocurrencies and really try to push the idea that we can have many monies at one time. Now, academics will struggle with that because even if they're Keynesian court historians that will say the Federal Reserve should be printing money, they still know that, whoa, we know the difference between money and barter. Money is when you have something that you use to facilitate all these trades. Barter is by definition when you have multiple things to facilitate all these trades, and that causes a lot of problems. That's why we want to have money. Um, But but if you're in the cryptocurrency space for any period of time, you'll hear a lot of people pushing this many monies narrative, right, that you can have multiple monies. Um, so we don't have to, like, it's... Monero can coexist with Bitcoin, right? That's that's a really important uh, concept that they'll push.
0: So. I mean, I guess what's the difference then kind of you, you had mentioned it a little while back that, you know, we have all these different currencies in different countries and, you know, but they're not necessarily competing currencies, whereas here you're talking about all these different currencies that I guess are, are for lack of a better word, trying to compete with each other. What's so what's the difference between that?
1: So there's a couple ways that you can kind of in a, in a perfect world, I would take you through all of the problems and barter and then you know bring you a, and I know that you know this because you went through the course um, but there's a few different ways you can kind of try to take a big shortcut and hack at it so that's what I'll do um, one way is you can look at money as a language or a, a protocol um, And the reason that languages and protocols are the same is that the whole purpose is to facilitate uh, communication or facilitate exchange between other people, right? Like we both have to be able to speak English for us to have this conversation. And our computers right now, they both have to be able to speak TCP IP, which is the internet protocol, to be able to talk to each other so that we can record this podcast. Bitcoin is, or money is like that in the sense that if I wanted, if you wanted to pay me, uh, um, or let's say that I wanted to pay you as a uh, somebody that wants to promote my my MathBot project, and you're going to do advertising on the podcast, it is a lot easier for me to pay you if we both speak the same language when it comes to money. In other words, if you accept U.S. dollars and I store U.S. dollars and I accept U.S. dollars, that is the most smooth sort of communication that we could have, right? It's very easy. What do you want? Seventy-five bucks. All right. That sounds good, done, right? I have the 75 bucks, you take the 75 bucks. If, um, if you were in another country and you say, I want 250 francs, that is not as smooth. There, there's, that adds friction to, to, the, uh, to the communication, right? I have to go do the math, figure out what's the conversion rate from dollars to francs. And then I have to find somebody that will take my dollars, that will turn them into francs, and then we'll give you francs, right? So that's not ideal. And what we should expect is that over time, the more ideal setup should, um, uh, should replace the less ideal, right? The more efficient in general, when humans are interacting, if they find a tool that works better, they tend to use that tool that works better. And we can see through human history that um, that languages they they expand across borders, right? They don't they don't just stop at a border. Um, and over time, if we trade together a lot, i either adopting franc, I'll either start adopting francs, or you'll start adopting U.S. dollars. Would be what we would mm-hmm. expect to happen. Um, and the way that networks tend to work is one of those things. Uh, works better, right? So it's not uh, it's not a fair playing field because let's say that the French government prints francs faster than the US government. Well, over time, you're gonna see your purchasing power decrease faster in francs than dollars. And you're gonna say to yourself, well, I'm already I'm already trading with JW dollars. I think I'm just gonna, ha- anytime uh, I do business with JW, I'm gonna accept dollars and just hold those because those are going to hold value better. than than my francs. And so over time, and actually over a relatively short period of time, because we're talking about millions of transactions a day, right? This is not like, you don't have to invest 10 years in order to learn English properly. You just have to go, Oh, dollars hold their value better. Done, right? There's no, there's no onboarding. There's no, there's a little bit of hassle, but it's not comparable to to uh, learning a new language. But it's similar in the sense that you get a lot of benefits out of being on the same thing. So those sort of uh, those sort of things where the barrier to adoption is low. Um, but there is a network effect it's more like social media than learning a new language so when everybody you know got sick of uh, MySpace and ran over to Facebook and then a lot of people ran from Facebook to Twitter, a lot of this stuff happens within weeks, right? Like hundreds of thousands of people just pour between one and the other thing because there's not a lot of barrier to to entry. That's how we we would expect something like money to work. And historically we can see that that's how it's worked, right? Um, If you trade with a group of people and you find out that they have a money that holds value longer, uh, maybe works better, subdivides better, whatever, you tend to adopt that. and and that is what we would expect to happen and that's that is what would happen naturally i mean there's a lot of people in china right now that are doing everything they can to get out of the RMB, and preferably get their hands on U.S. dollars. If you're in Venezuela, you're you're dying for U.S. dollars. You don't really care that you know it's or it's not about teams or Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Hope hopefully uh, soon enough we'll, we'll we'll all be able to see that. Yeah, everybody did coalesce on Bitcoin because it was the most secure, uh, most functional money. And uh, as people realized that, they adopted it. I think that's what it will look like when we look back.
0: So when you talk about, I I think one of the really important things here is also defining for maybe some of our non-technical audience or aka myself, when you say more secure, how does that that differ from Bitcoin to those, um, you know, thousand other cryptocurrencies out there and what makes Bitcoin the most secure?
1: So so the big breakthrough with creating bitcoin was realizing that you could use proof of work um, to prevent double spends and then you could also uh, use proof of work in the network to control the total amount of cryptocurrency in existence Um, so after every two weeks the bitcoin network software basically looks and says okay how many um how many blocks have been created um and if it's been if it's been more than expected it raises the difficulty less than expected it lowers the difficulty um and because you get new bitcoin in in the block reward um that controls the total number of bitcoin uh that, that are being created and then every four years it cuts that number in half so we end up with only about 21 million bitcoin that will ever exist all of that innovation is centered around this idea of proof of work and what proof of work is? It's taking something in the um, in the world outside of the system that's valuable. Um, in this case, uh, really electricity, computational power. But but a, the biggest part of that is electricity. It's taking something valuable and it's provably destroying it. Right? It's it's in order to uh, create a block that says these are the order of transactions. You have to destroy something that's worth a lot of real world money. And the way that that is, or the reason that's valuable is that in order to attack the system, in order to say, no, 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 you were wrong when you said the transactions were in that order, it requires an incredible amount of money to be spent in the real world buying valuable things, you know, all these electrons uh, that are stored up and ready to do work, and then destroying those, right? Uh, in order to attack the system. So it's a really, really brilliant system um, and it is the breakthrough that that uh, that Satoshi introduced. Um, so now the question is, how are all of these other cryptocurrencies doing it? Well, they're basically pretending to do it. They're not actually doing it because the reason that Bitcoin is hard to attack is that it consumes an incredible amount of electricity. And this is really important. It consumes it at the height of human capability. If, um, if, if you have a cryptocurrency that's destroying a million dollars of electricity per day at, in order to order transactions, you could either spend a million dollars of electricity per day to screw up that network to attack it, or you could say, well, those idiots are not even using cutting-edge tools. I can just invest, you know, a hundred million dollars into building devices that are more efficient than what these monkeys are using. And now I can destroy the network by only spending $10,000 a day, or I can control it or overwrite transactions or do whatever I want. So all of the other cryptocurrencies are playing in that category. They are not. Uh, they are not destroying enough electricity at the height of human capability to actually prevent attacks. Um, and Monero is a good example. They, on a regular basis, hard fork and they use checkpoints. And basically, what that means is that they're not relying on proof of work. They're relying on proof of fluffy pony, who tells people what the checkpoints are. And if they get attacked, which actually they're they're another They're a good example for this reason as well. Um, Some some bad guys said, "Okay, we want to we want to take control of Monero." Um, And so we're gonna invest a little bit of money in hardware that will allow us to control the network. Um, That would be a a big problem if they were actually using proof of work to secure the network, but they're just pretending to, because uh, as soon as that came out, Fluffy Pony said, hey, we're just gonna change the proof of work. Um, So they remain really, really weak. And what I mean by proof of work is the algorithm that is used to secure the network. They just change the algorithm. So it's really, really weak, But it's almost not worth attacking because it's so weak that it's not even interesting, right? It's like it's such security theater that it's not even worth pushing over because it wasn't really even there in the first place, if that makes sense. And all of the cryptocurrencies other than Bitcoin fall cleanly into that category.
0: So uh, this is kind of reminds me of i heard you talk a little bit about asic resistance uh that would kind of fall into that category right and you you pretty much think that's a myth
1: <laughs> well yeah so so this is actually this was a big part of the litecoin narrative uh back in the day i mean i didn't live through it but i've gone back and looked at how these guys marketed themselves because uh, it's kind of fascinating to see the way a ponzi scheme kicks off um these frauds that especially ones that have been around for a long time like i am i'm looking forward to the theranos day right there's going to be a day where uh where a lot of these guys are going to be looking at jail time and everybody's going to be saying wow that's really weird jw was the only one that thought that there was actually anything criminal going on here um but it's it's coming i would not want to be any of these guys that think they have a billion dollars um because ponzi schemes don't end well for uh for the the front man um but litecoin in particular, they. One of the narratives that they used was that they wanted to be ASIC resistant, and what they meant by that is um, basically they wanted to to come up with an algorithm or use an algorithm that uh, that couldn't be calculated efficiently by specialized hardware. Um, this is, I mean, if you if you take a step back and just think about this, this is really really stupid because what they're saying is we're going to create a problem where it's not more efficient to solve it with specialized hardware. Like forget about computers for a minute. Just think about the natural universe around you. Does it even seem conceivable that there could be a problem where better tools wouldn't help you solve that problem faster and with less work? It's it's almost like you can tell how stupid the idea is because I'm I'm having to contradict myself, right? Like better tools don't help you solve the problem. Well, then they're not really better tools by definition, right? Um, but that that's the kind of nonsense that these guys used, um, and it's still you know a fairly popular concept. I'm sure there'll be plenty of cryptocurrencies launched this year that uh, that claim to be ASIC resistant. Um, but the reason that they're doing that is they they don't want to they don't want to compare head to head with Bitcoin because there's no chance, right? There's been a a decade of R&D that's gone into building the most efficient devices to solve this specific set of problems. And that's important because an attacker is not going to be able to put in a a few million dollars and build a device to attack the network that's more efficient than the devices that we already have to secure the network.
0: So in your opinion, then, when someone's kind of saying that it's ASIC-resistant, It's almost more to draw in users, to draw in users essentially, right? Because uh, to, to use their network as a proof of work network correct
1: yeah exactly i mean it's it's one of those decisions that that you look at if you have some technical competence and you go oh this is really a bad move for security but if you have some marketing chops you also look at it and go ah but it's very very good for marketing because if you are you know some random dude that uh that's interested in this cryptocurrency and you can in theory burn electricity on your Mac laptop and get a little bit of grin or Monero or Litecoin or whatever um, that's that's way more attractive than Bitcoin where oh you can't get any Bitcoin unless you buy specialized hardware and oh, it's so competitive that it's really going to be hard to you know make any money there's so many millions of uh, dollars that have pour- been poured into it that if you know unless you're doing something like you're going up and getting really cheap electricity from Geo Thermal um, and setting up a real professional operation, you're not going to be able to compete. That's kind of discouraging. You know, it should be encouraging because you actually want a lot of stuff securing your money but if you're just you know kind of dabbling in it, it the idea of free money made by your computer is very attractive right especially for the demographic of people that these guys target uh, that you know are not doing the math so to speak um, so it's great for marketing right if you can tell people oh yeah you just fire up a miner and you're gonna get a little bit of this uh, you know this magic stuff um, on your on your laptop you don't really have to invest anything that's uh that's a pretty that's a pretty, um, that's a pretty great way to, uh, to market something. So I don't think it's a coincidence that it's a really good way to attract new people and a really bad way to secure the network to anybody that knows
0: what's going on. It's really interesting, man. I think, uh, I think people probably at this point in think you, some of the stuff you've said is crazy, but I think that they probably think some of the stuff you said is pretty, uh, accurate and important. And so one other big kind of broad topic i want to cover that you know i thought was interesting from the 10 hours of bitcoin is you know kind of those introductory steps was you know i think a lot of people would say that sure bitcoin's gonna be number one it's the best thing Uh, i only i only trade these alts to gain more bitcoin and essentially what they call that Or what you would call what normal people would call that is speculation, and you kind of cover speculation in a really interesting way that I feel like most people don't think about uh, in the course. Can you touch on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I can't. I can't take credit for these insights. This is definitely just classical Austrian economics. You know, Mises, Rothbard. Yeah, but uh, I
0: think it's like I think there's probably so many people out there that don't think about it or have never taken a economics course or whatever. I mean, I have, and I still wasn't thinking about it that way. You know what I mean? Well, so yeah, I think yeah. It's important to to kind of bridge the gap between those economic, uh, you know, those big economic ideologies and what crypto is trying to do and what Bitcoin is trying to do.
1: Totally, totally. Yeah. One thing that I will say is that if you've taken, if you're in, if you're, Basically, if you're anywhere around the world and you take an ep- economics course in college, you're going to get Keynesian economics and maybe a little Chicago School of Economics sprinkled in. And the key ingredient to both of those schools of thought is that inflation is wonderful. So it's something that all the governments around the world are going to want you to believe. Um, and it's no coincidence that that particular scam narrative has been uh, just you know universal across the globe. Um, with the exception of countries that don't have central banks stealing from their citizens but none of those countries exist anymore so i can say with confidence that you got you got indoctrinated you didn't get taught economics if you want to learn economics i mean the 10 hours of bitcoin.com is obviously you know uh, a good place to start but um if you don't want to hear it from me or you don't like the particular selection of resources that i put up there um the the classic resource is human action by Ludwig von Mises if you can be disciplined enough to read that thing from cover to cover you're going to uh, that that's where you're just gonna probably get hit with a really disturbing red pill uh, that will be good for you in the long run every you know 15 pages of this massive treatise um, but to to take to a step back a little bit and just say what is speculation or investing um, the the uh, it's really this is this is another area that's really tough because I'm going to sound really insane because <laughs> that's um, why
0: it's I I totally agree but, <laughs> but let's do it
1: <laughs> okay so in addition to wanting you to believe like let's just say there's a third world dictator right let's let's strip off the patriotism that everybody has for a minute imagine you're in buck Bok Bok and in buck Bok buck there's this third world dictator and he's got control of the territory and he's trying to figure out ways to take advantage of the population and, and 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 take their money as quickly as possible. Taxation is obvious, but the problem with taxation is that it results in uprisings because people can see exactly what's being stolen from them. It's very direct. The next best way to take your money um, is through inflation. So if I can force you if if I'm the head of buck buck B- B- and I can force you to use my money But then I can print more of it. That's great because you don't really understand it It's a little bit complicated and you don't see the effects of my theft It's not as direct as taxation if you look at your paycheck and it says a thousand and then it says 600 or 400 you get pissed off but if you if your paycheck says a thousand and you don't know that I just printed a hundred million Bach coins, coins, um, then you still feel good about that until years later when you go to buy a candy bar and you're like, "Huh, this is funny." And by that point, you know you're you're probably not as murderous about it. So that is a, a preferred method for um, for fleecing a population, and it has these great side effects, and one of which is that it allows me not only as the dictator to take your money, but I can control the pace of the economy. I can create these boom and bust cycles. Um, So if I print a bunch of money, the interest rates will go low. Everybody will get excited. They'll think that they have more money because that money will flow through the economy. They'll start investing and building bridges and building factories and all this sort of stuff. At a certain point, I'm going to be forced to do this, but that's okay. Cause it's actually to my advantage. I need to stop printing more money I need, or at least slow the rate at which I print money. And that causes a, a recession or an economic bust. And, um, the reason for that is that that's the period where everybody goes, Oh my gosh, I built this factory because I thought there were that many people that wanted to buy red shoes. And now that I see, uh, now that the money is not being printed, now that inflation isn't really high, it turns out there wasn't a whole lot of demand for that. So we saw that in the housing crisis in uh, the United States in 2008. Uh, a bunch of money was being printed; it was sloshing all over the economy, and people thought, "Oh my gosh, there's a huge demand for these McMansions." So a bunch of McMansions were built, and then uh, the Fed had to stop printing money as rapidly, and uh, people realized, "Whoa, I'm I actually I'm not as rich as I thought I was. I had." You know, fifteen thousand dollars in the bank, but now for some reason everything I'm buying is way more expensive. Um, so maybe I can't afford to to do this McMansion, and that's the that's the bust in the boom bust cycle. And. During that period of time, it's bad for everybody except for the people that knew that it was going to happen. Um, so the dictator in uh, you know this third world country, what they can do is they can they can when the economy is hot, they can sell a bunch of stuff, right? They can they can be invested in a bunch of stocks, you know, a bunch of projects, whatever. But before the bust sets in, they can move back to cash, and then when the bust happens. Um, the the cash, even though it's been inflated, it's going to hold its value better than all these stocks and bonds that are about to fall fall over on their face, um, or or these assets like real estate that have been uh, you know really built up. And then you can take that cash after the bust sets in, you know when it's gonna stop. And this is this is really key, um, because you're the one that controls the printing press. You decide when the boom happens, you decide when the bust happens, and you decide when the new boom can happen again. You'd think that you would just wanna stay in boom forever, but the problem with that is hyperinflation. If you keep printing money rapidly all the time, eventually you're Venezuela, and then you have uprising on your hand, just like uh, with excessive taxation. So so you uh, so you do need to stop, but you know when you're gonna stop. So you can make trades based on that knowledge, basically. You can sell high and then you can buy low during the 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 bust., um, but you can do it relatively uh, quickly before the next boom starts because you know that you're starting to print money. So that's a really good way. Um, that's actually even better than just through inflation, stealing people's stuff and stealing their money. but, you really need people to be invested in order to do that. If you have a lot of people that are just holding dollars, uh, that's not great, right? Like our our grandparents' generation, they would just put, they would just stuff dollars in their mattress. So they weren't as susceptible to being fleeced through the boom and bust cycle. Um, So with a couple generations of indoctrination, what I want to do as that dictator is convince you that your retirement fund has to be in the stock market, has to be invested in companies, stocks and bonds, things that, that go up really high
0: and come down really high during this boom and bust interesting <laughs> so how would you relate that to you know kind of trading these cryptocurrencies and speculation and things like that
1: yeah good thanks thanks for bringing me back to uh okay so yeah there's just a lot of ground to cover yeah um, i hear you man <laughs> okay so so now let's look at investing in general um, so the, if you're the Federal Reserve, one of the reasons that you're such a good investor in your buddies, you know, or, or I shouldn't say the Federal Reserve, I'm trying to talk about Mbokbok and the dictators so that all of our, <laughs> our patriotic indoctrination doesn't kick in and we can't think clearly. Okay, so, so you know, in Guana or whatever, um, uh, although there's probably some people from Guana right now that have been in public school for 25 years that are like, no, no, Guana we're is such in, a... We're
0: huge in Guana.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so one of the. Uh one of the reasons that the dictator is so successful is that he has insider information. He knows when the money supply is going to be increased or decreased. Or if you want to look at it a different way, he knows when the interest rates are going to go up and come down because he's actually in control of that. So nobody is going to beat him as an investor, right? Because he he has inside knowledge, right? Insider trading is nothing compared to having insider information on what's going to happen to interest rates. It's it's uh, it's solid gold. But there's there's always Multiple levels to sort of this. Um, uh, there, there's always like people at the top and people at the bottom and a bunch of layers in between. So if you can't be the dictator, maybe you can be buddies with the dictator and he'll give you a heads up once all of his trades are done, so that you can make all of your trades. And then the if you can't be that guy, you can be that guy's friend, right? So it creates this hierarchy of. Um, of connections at the center where the information starts, like the decision makers actually are, and it slowly flows out, and eventually it hits just normal people, right? But by that time, all of the trades, all of the opportunity to make money on these trades, it's been fully exhausted by the time that the you know the grocery clerk finds out about it. So the same thing happens in a lot of other places, um, and so what I what I Try to help people understand in the course is that you never want to you never want to make a trade you never want to make an investment unless you know something that the market doesn't because it, let's say for example that you said hey I'm going to buy um, I'm going to buy Tesla stock because uh, I guess I have Tesla on the brain right now uh, I'm going to buy Tesla stock because I know that uh, they just tested their new batteries and their new batteries are performing 130 percent better than expected the question that you would have immediately from me is, well, does everybody else know that the, that the batteries tested 130% better than expected? Because if everybody else knows that, that information is already priced in, right? If, if that was a, a press release that went out to the public three days ago, um, and the stock went up 2%, I would say, well, look, anybody that is seriously investing in Tesla, they've already absorbed that knowledge, right? And so it went up 2% because that's how much more excited about the prospect of the future for Tesla that it represented. Now, if you knew about that study three days before it was released to the public, Ah, now you can make money, right? Because now you know something that the market doesn't know. And essentially, you know that Tesla stock is more valuable than it's being sold for, right? That's the key. You have to know that something is more valuable than it's being sold for. And that means you have to know something that all of the sellers don't already know. Um, Another quick example, real quick, is if you were going to buy a coffee shop, and I I think I use this example in the course, And the seller says, hey, you should buy my coffee shop because they're putting in a, a, you know, a big office building next door. What you should immediately ask yourself is, is this guy selling me the coffee shop for more money because the uh, office building is going in? Because if he's already figured out that that office building is going to bring in 10% more sales per day, he's probably already charging you 10% more for the business than he would have if that office building wasn't going in. Therefore, there's not an opportunity to make money there. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I think we saw a good example of it today. Did you see the uh, Ripple hitting Coinbase Pro announcement? Oh, god! And and then did you see the uh, everybody was calling for you know insider trading because it pumped like you know. Uh, 10, 12% like the three hours before the announcement. Did you see that?
1: I did not see that. Uh, I actually was completely unaware of that because I have blocked just about everybody associated with Ripple or Coinbase.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, well, I, I had to ask about that because uh, I, you know, that was one of them that didn't come up when you were on your uh, scam rant. So <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. No, I, I got uh, to create another account or just uh, start swimming in that nonsense again to stay up. Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely happened with Bitcoin Cash. Um, yeah. Yeah, right so exactly That's the, the exact one. same thing The announcement comes out and what's funny though is that there's a lot of people that are really pissed off about that but you can find that in uh basically all industries um it is dirty and it is crooked but um but the con <laughs> the the, the more crooked and dirty thing is the concept of insider trading being illegal. That's the real fraud. The real fraud is to convince the normies that this stuff is illegal and doesn't happen because that allows us to really fleece them, right? This is that indoctrination that if I'm that third world dictator, I definitely want to make sure that, gets, uh, that, that becomes part of it. Because if you know that there are people that know more than you, um, which your grandmother certainly knew. Your great-grandmother would not have been tricked into buying a stock and an electric car company unless she worked at the factory or knew somebody or had some insight, right? She would have instinctively known that that wasn't going to work out. But after a few generations of indoctrination and us thinking that insider trading is actually illegal and not practiced, um, we are just you know ready to be fleece. Um, so you you can see that same price movement happen uh, before almost every major announcement. Um, I've I've worked as an executive in uh, large publicly traded companies, and, and there are rules. Like I wasn't able to trade for, depending on the size of the announcement, I would have to wait 30 days or 90 days before I could make any trades. But that didn't mean that I couldn't tell my friends if I wanted to. I mean, it did, <laughs> right. but it didn't, right? right? It does, but it doesn't. And right, exactly. <laughs> also, you know, you can say that I can't make a trade until more than 30 days before um but I still get to have that information, right? That information might be good 45 days before. So I still have 15 days to, and, and that's just being just one of many executives in a, in a big company, right? There there are hundreds of people in any company that has access to information that you don't have access to. And that, that very idea that they wouldn't be using this information to make decisions is insane. But it's something that we have been uh, just washington since we were in kindergarten so it makes
0: sense so in your opinion here obviously i think anybody that's investing or looking into crypto is here to make money uh are we still in the early no for bitcoin and crypto or and bitcoin specifically
1: yeah i mean so okay so we this this is an industry trying to create a new money and it's trying to be Um, a government-resistant money. So all the lines on the map that say you're using dollars here and then you're using pesos, um, if those lines can be enforced, then this is a stupid project anyway, right? Because the whole idea is that it's government-resistant. You can't control when I send you money, you can't control how much total money, um, and you certainly can't keep it from flowing across borders. So if this whole endeavor has any merit at all we're trying and we will create a global and a secure digital money so the market for that is massive right it's you would start by taking all of the uh, government dollars in circulation and adding those up and you would say okay that that's that's a bare minimum of the size of this market. But then, because there's a lot of people that avoid, actually everybody that has ever had a a basic investing course, they avoid being in government dollars because government dollars are being printed into oblivion. right? That may be faster, maybe slower, depending on where you live. Um, But Bitcoin or a secure currency isn't gonna be like that. A secure currency with a fixed supply is going to Some people will say it's deflationary, but that's a kind of a bad use of the the word inflation or deflation. But at the end of the day, your purchasing power if you own a money where it's not being uh, printed into oblivion is supposed to go up, right? Like I said before, if a candy bar cost me 45 cents and now we have robots making that candy bar, it should go down to, I don't know, 40 cents, right? And then we have uh cheaper farming, it should go down to 35 cents, right? Innovation should make things cheaper, which means that if you're saving money, your purchasing power should go up. So when we think about like the the uh, the amount of our purchasing power going down by two or 3%, It's going down by two or three percent and actually that's probably more like five or six but it's going down at a time where there's tons of tools that are being built that make everything cheaper so it's actually you know if your candy bar is three percent more expensive last year but the factory is now allow the candy bar to be sold in real like economic terms, for five percent less, you're actually paying eight percent for more for your candy bar. You just don't realize it because you you only see the difference of uh, because it should be cheaper and it's actually slightly more expensive. It's that entire amount that's been stolen. Um, so, so if we don't have that, yeah, yeah, if we don't have that, you're you're going to not only be No longer disincentivized from holding dollars for your saving, but you're going to be incentivized and rewarded for saving money. Does does that make sense?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, So one more thing here before we uh, unpack all this stuff because we just covered a ton of stuff and I think it was. Oh, you
1: know what? Before we change the subject, I gotta I gotta finish like the size of the what we're trying to do. Okay. Okay, So so. so if you add up all of the the money, the, all of the global money in circulation right now, and you divide that by, say, 21 million Bitcoin, you end up around three or five million Dollars per Bitcoin, right? Which is is an insane amount, but that's just replacing government fiat, which is uh, very obviously the goal of the project. Now, it may succeed, it may fail, but if it succeeds, we would expect something along those lines um, as far as the value of an individual Bitcoin. But that's just like the sort of baseline, right? Because on top of that, people are running from money and now they're going to be running into money. Um, And then on top of that, the number of people that are invested in stocks, the number of people that are invested in real estate that will no longer be forced to do so so they can stay in money is pretty big so you have to try to kind of figure out how much of real estate is savings versus uh, not savings because that savings amount actually will be in money again if if it can be I think Um, and then there's all kinds of Ponzi's built on that you've got all these crazy REITs and derivatives and all kinds of nonsense so my, my estimate for how early we are is that I don't think it's at all crazy to to think that we'll have a, a $10 million Bitcoin in the future if this all works out. So that'll give you kind of a rough idea of wow. how early I think we
0: are. So super early, <laughs> super early. The, so that's, I mean, that's the insider knowledge that we have then, right? Is, is basically it. So, um, we've talked a ton about money and what is money and economics and all that stuff. I, and you know, what projects may or may not be scams because of what money is. Do you see, it, when we talk about blockchain as a whole, is blockchain the only thing, or is money only the only thing blockchain is good for, in your opinion?
1: Well, so, yeah, blockchain is tough because the only reason that we have the term blockchain is because Bitcoin exists. And uh, blockchain is a way to create a list of transactions that are government hard, but in order to do that you have to reward the miners that are destroying all of that electricity in the currency itself right in in the coin itself in this digital currency that's being created so you really can't have a secure set of blocks you can't have a blockchain unless it's tied to a digital asset that is uh super in demand right like so the idea of creating a blockchain without proof of work just doesn't make any sense at all we've had those like the, the closest you could get would be a distributed database with digital signatures. And we've had that for like 30, 40 years. It's, it's nothing special. Um, so most of the time when that term gets used, it's just used in a really fraudulent way to have people sort of associate it with Bitcoin and all of the potential that that represents, and then use it for something like uh, voting or real estate or something stupid. Um, so it can't really exist without the currency. Um, and it also doesn't need to, because if you wanted to create transactions, why wouldn't you just use Bitcoin to do that?
0: And you, In your opinion, you'll be able to do all those same things on Bitcoin at some point, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can do it now. Um, in the
0: sense, for, for example, privacy or whatever. Yeah.
1: yeah, so so privacy isn't that bad on Bitcoin. I I uh, I used the example the other day of if you go on the you know if you go on websites that sell drugs, they all accept Bitcoin. They're not. They might accept something like Grin or Monero, um, but if you ask them what do you do more volume in they're they're going to tell you they do a lot more volume in bitcoin and if they're happy to accept bitcoin and their drug dealers that should tell you that there's probably a reasonable amount of privacy on bitcoin as it is <laughs> but it's getting better um, lightning makes it better uh, there's a lot of uh, cool stuff going on with CoinJoin and automatic mixing um, there's a lot of potential uh, without actually having to change the base protocol at all um, and as soon as Something makes sense to do on the base protocol. This is this is the open source software part of it, right? Open source software is weird because if anybody does anything useful, you can just copy that So as soon as you know, if if for example, Monero wasn't a scam and they actually did something that was worthwhile um, That would have been copied by Bitcoin Right, the the only reason that it wouldn't be copied by Bitcoin is either if it's stupid or if the Bitcoin developers are stupid. But the Bitcoin, even the Monero guys, are not going to say that the Bitcoin developers aren't five times smarter than them, right? So you, you really have to run to some pretty crazy conspiracies around lizard people in order to uh, think that these altcoins make any sense.
0: That's interesting. I, I'm gonna be very interested to see the reaction to from our listeners and stuff like that because I think uh, you know, especially I w- I'm wishing I was wishing my other host would be here because he is uh, he is a heavy altcoin guy. So <laughs> I was hoping he'd be here to uh, refute a couple of your your claims here. But anyway, let's move on. I really appreciate your time. Um, that's a lot of stuff to digest. I want to, before we get going, give you an opportunity to talk about your project with MathBot, what you're trying to accomplish there, and then we'll wrap up.
1: Awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. So MathBot is, uh, if you go out to mathbot.com, uh, you'll be able to play it in a, in a couple seconds. You don't have to pay um, or do anything difficult uh, to uh, to check it out. So please do that. Um, but the goal of MathBot is to... Um, make math and programming so fun and easy that, um, that it's the go-to place. Um, Particularly what we wanna do is we wanna get math and programming out of public and private schools. Government regulated schools just make math and programming miserable. Um, Just like the DMV makes driving miserable, uh, government regulated schools make math and programming awful. So if you think that you hate math and programming, I promise you, you don't. Uh, Your brain as a human brain is hardwired to love problem solving, to love puzzles, um, to to love everything that math and programming is. What you don't like is uh, the government version of that, but. If you like driving, don't think that you know that you're going to love the DMV, right? It's it's not <laughs> math and programming what you actually got in uh, in those schools. So uh, so the goal is just to make that clear and really to to get schools to stop. And we've had some success already. We've had some schools adopting MathBot. If you go on my Twitter profile, there's about 40 kids in a a public school uh, in New Jersey that are all playing MathBot. And to us, that's a huge win. I mean, there there are some good teachers out there, but the good teachers will be the ones that direct kids to this website and just get out of the way so that they can actually have a good time and have fun uh, learning math and programming instead of being tortured. Um, but that's the goal, to just uh, get these guys out of there. The uh, the public schools, the private schools that are government regulated don't do it well. Um, and, uh, and we do, and it's fun. So soon you'll be able to uh, reward your kids in Bitcoin. Um, so uh, That's cool. For for example, if you you know you have a, a nine year old and they're struggling with math and programming or you know math uh, more likely, um, you can uh, you basically buy a bunch of levels for twenty bucks um, and then the kid as they pass levels will be given ninety percent of that money back. So ten percent of it goes to supporting the software. Reward people that have volunteer on the project, basically, uh, but ninety percent goes to the kid. So you know, it's twenty-two bucks, and they pass a uh, hundred levels. They get a few, you know, maybe a quarter per level until they get twenty dollars.
0: That's pretty cool. Um, I think that is uh, really really innovative. And I think that could be a huge home run. I'm going to, uh, my brother has a uh, eight-year-old and I'm going to tell him about it and see if he can uh, teach his eight-year-old some better math. So Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. Great um so jw we i really appreciate your time um and we i thank you for coming on i think that was a pretty awesome important conversation um where else can people find you uh who do you want to hear from who do you not want to hear from
1: (laughs) so i am on uh twitter um at J W Weatherman underscore, um, and I'm I'm pretty much happy to hear from anybody. I'm particularly interested in anybody that has um, kids that are maybe diagnosed with learning disabilities, or you know they're on the Asperger's syndrome spectrum, or anything like that. Um, it's uh, it's there, there's nothing funner for me than having one of those one of those parents or one of those kids uh, reach out to me and start playing MathBot and realize that no they don't need to be one of the 10 to 20% of kids in the United States that are chemically lobotomized uh, because they don't want to do really boring stupid work Um, so if you fall into that category you're at the top of the list of people I want to hear from but I'm happy to hear from anybody if you want to debate altcoins the only thing that I would ask is that you don't waste my time you invest 10 hours into knowing what you're talking about by going out. To 10 hours of bitcoin.com, just burn through the material, and then I'm more than happy to answer any of your questions or, uh, or you know, debate about the next coin and how awesome it's going to be.
0: <laughs> awesome, man! Well, again, we appreciate your time. Um, everyone else, we will be back next week with I think the whole crew, hopefully. But until next time, don't get wrecked, and that is financial advice. <music>